0: Amen. Well, good to see you guys. We've already set up a happy new year. It's good to see a really, really full room. And so speaking of a full room, I've been asked to do an SOS, a scoot over some. So if you have empty seats next to you, if you could scoot to the middle to where some ushers could maybe seat some other people who are are waiting, that would be great. Thank you very much. Well, I just want to ask, who made it to midnight last night? Who actually... Wow, that's impressive. That tells me I'm going to have a tough crowd this morning. Okay, lots of tired people. That's no excuse. You knew what time church was. Just kidding. My whole family made it to midnight as well. It was, it was fun. So I'm also curious, who has something on their person or in their chair that you got at Christmas? Jewelry, clothes, shoes, whatever. Who's got something new this morning? all right, pretty good. There's probably some people at home that are watching on a new phone or new TV or new computer or something. It is a fun time just to be able to celebrate the newness of the year. Well, I'm really glad you're here. I'm going to start off. In 1990... I was a freshman at Baylor, and at that time, they brought freshmen down a week early for what they call Welcome Week, and they let us assimilate to what life was going to be like at school. And yeah, so there I am. I had hair. I'm in the back row. The, the cool tank top, that's me. I don't know why I thought I should wear a tank top, but I did. And if you're wondering why I look like I want to hurt somebody, it's because the guys were told not to smile, and so we, we obliged, uh, and the girls did smile. Okay, so what's funny though, or actually not funny, odd, and I give thanks for is to, as you're looking at it, two people to the left on the top row, the other guy in the white t shirt, that's Craig Murray. He was an upperclassman who is now, we have been supporting as a missionary at Fellowship for a number of years, and now he's an executive director at a church planning, international church planning uh, agency that we support, and he was one of my Welcome Week leaders, an upperclassman who was put over these freshmen who were finding their way, and Baylor at that time, we learned about the wheel, where Jesus was at the center of our life, in school, and spiritual, and physical, all things revolved around Christ at the center. I was an unbeliever. I had no clue what everybody was talking about, but Craig and multiple others in that group up there did. And so that was 1990, 33 years ago from my freshman year, and I graduated college, came to faith my sophomore year, graduated college, started a career, got married myself, had three kids, and now two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I got to do this. I got to walk my only daughter down the aisle, and she got married two weeks ago, And I show you that, one, it's a shameless plug, for sure, I want to put that up there, but it doesn't seem like 33 years from that first picture to that second picture, but time flies by, time flies by. I've had 33 new years since then to consider where I am in life and where God wants to take me. And I'm going to say the very fact that you guys are here this morning, one, it's not by accident. And the fact that so many of you stayed up till midnight and you're still here, I think that means that you want to know, what does God have for me in 2023? That, that freshman picture I put up there, that group as well, I thought of that because our, our group, we had a code, every group was assigned a name, and ours was B3, because I was in band, and so we were band, sick of trombones, I was in band, that was band group number three. Because I don't know how many we had, 10, 12, 20, whatever it was, but we were B3. And one night, they brought all the freshmen together in, in Waco Hall, and we were given about two minutes to think of some kind of chant for our group. So you need something that has energy, is memorable, somehow to bring energy and attention to your group. You got two minutes to go. And a bunch of freshmen, we came up with, in two minutes, B3, the place to be, B3, the place to be. Who do you want to be? B3. Because it's a place to be. And that's what we came up with. And so, to you this morning, New Year's Day, I'm going to ask you, who do you want to be in 2023? Or more importantly, who does God want you to be in 2023? So, we have a number of scriptures that we're going to encounter this morning that will hopefully serve as a grid to think through this by. Most of them are going to be both in your sermon notes and up on the screen, but I really want God's word to lead us into who we want to be, who He wants us to be. In 2023. So I think the first thing that God wants us to be in 2023 is to be aware. I think He wants us to be aware. And that sounds really broad. Like, what does that mean? Well, let's start at the ground level. Here's what David said in Psalm 139. Just before this verse, he says, You, God, created me in my inmost being, you knit me together. And then this Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So just to be clear, your, God, your, your days were ordained by, by God, not the universe, not luck, not fate, not destiny. Your entire life was known, created, and designed by God before you were ever even born. In fact, that breath, the one that you just took, that breath, was known and ordained by God before you were ever born. That's astounding to think about. And David says that's the same about all of your days. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We don't know the number of our days that are written in his book. But God does. He not only knows the number, he is the numberer. He doesn't just look down the corridors of time and foresee, well, how many days are they going to have? How is this going to turn out? No, they were all written and ordained by God before one of them came to be. So he establishes the number and he brings it to pass. I want to tell you a quick story about um, an American Idol participant named Willie Spence. I've actually never seen American Idol. I certainly know what it is, but a couple of years ago, Willie Spence was a runner-up in american idol and he was known obviously you have to have a good voice right if you make it that far in american idol i don't even know how many how many sessions or or votes you have to get through but you have to be have a good voice right to be a good singer to make it that far to be a runner-up but he was known because he also he sang in addition to having a great voice but he sang a lot of gospel songs and so especially the christian community loved him right and so back just in october of last year october of 2022 He posted from the passenger seat of his car a gospel song called Lord, You Are My Hiding Place. He sat in his passenger seat of his car, recorded that song, Lord, You Are My Hiding Place, uploaded it to Instagram. About three hours later, he died in that car in a car crash. Very unexpectedly. You're like, why are you bringing that to us on New Year's Day? Well, the Lord, You Are My Hiding Place that he was just singing about He was in that place before the Lord just a few hours later, which is amazing. But how I think this ties into this this, um, passage here, another American Idol participant who knew him, had befriended him. They had sung duets together. A, a, A lady said about him, obviously saddened, obviously surprised, obviously shocked. She said about Willie, only 23 years old. Life is so unfair and nothing is ever promised. God rest your soul, Willie. Now I can understand the sentiment, I can understand the shock, the sadness, but we as believers need to know that that kind of thinking is absolutely wrong, that is not correct, that life is unfair and nothing is ever promised. Life is unfair, we just finished celebrating a Christmas season where we celebrated that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So is that fair? That wasn't fair. to Really, that's not what we deserved. It doesn't seem fair that Christ came and lived the perfect life in our place that we couldn't and didn't want to, to lead. But man, is it good. We are praising his name for that. So that doesn't seem fair, but it sure is good. And regarding her com- uh, comment that nothing is ever promised, well, the scripture that we have right in front of us says, That is incorrect. David said, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Sounds like a promise to me. Here's how Job interacted with that same truth Job said, A person's days are determined. You, God, have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So the awareness that I'm talking about in this point starts with recognizing God's omnipotence, omniscience, and His sovereign purpose in the world and in our, just our very daily lives. So think about the, the words that we just read in these two verses, that our days are ordained by God, they're written in His book, they are determined, and they are decreed with set limits. doesn't leave a whole lot of room for interpretation or vagueness, does it? So you should be aware that God is in control. Now sometimes... We can think about that, and that actually causes anxiety because we are confronted with the fact that we don't control our environment or what's around us, that we don't have ultimate control over the number of our days or the span of our life. But it really, it shouldn't. You should just flip that over and think about it this way. Your days are decreed. You are safe. You are secure. There are set limits that you can't do anything to go outside of or shorten or change, and neither can any outside force. They're ordained and they're written. God has taken care of it. He will bring it to pass. And we know that he is good. You know, so if that brings about anxiety, Jesus asked his followers, he said, who of you can add a single hour to their lives you know, by fear, by anxiety? Who can add a single hour to their lives? So instead of worrying about something that we can't control, we should be aware of this reality and learn from the one who can, who can control our lives and all that we encounter you know david pondered that reality in psalm 39 and he pleads to god about it he says show me lord my life's end and the number of my days let me know how fleeting my life is so when david's thinking about god's sovereignty he wants to learn from it he says show me help me help me learn and grow and understand this moses psalm 90 he said the same thing he said teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom So you think about these Old Testament saints and thinking about this, they wanted to be taught, they wanted to be shown, they wanted to learn and grow from it. So being aware that God has a plan for our lives, it's not fatalistic. I would say it's opportunistic. It's freeing because you are safe, you are protected right inside these guardrails that God has established for you. And we should live for his glory within that. So we should be aware of the opportunity to walk joyfully and confidently his plan for your life so in addition to being aware paul added another descriptor or a point to tell us how we could be in 2023 he said be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil so that's our next point god wants us to be wise and you should hopefully want to be wise to maximize the time that you do have on this earth. So, once we're aware of God's plan and His design for the world and for our lives in it, He very much wants that awareness to then set that grid that I mentioned earlier. That should be our grid for how we think, how we process, how we do life. And so, that, that awareness of His sovereignty should produce wisdom for living this life. We're to be wise. So what does that look like, biblically speaking? Well, you probably heard it said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I just want to talk briefly about that idea, the fear of the Lord. I think oftentimes when we hear that, you know, we we recognize God's holiness, our simpleness, so we think the fear of the Lord, like that we should be cowering in the corner. As believers, that's not really the case, and that's not really how the, the Bible talks about fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord means reverential trust. It means respect. Fearing God means having such a reverence for Him that it has an impact in the way we live our lives. That we live our lives in awe of Him. That we worship Him. That it, it forms our attitude that then impacts our actions and how we go about our days. An attitude that leads to action. And if we had that reverential fear and trust and respect of who He is, then in our lives, that should also include this idea of avoiding evil. We know how much God despises evil and what it took for him to overcome and defeat evil. And so the fear of the Lord includes us being fearful of God's judgment of sin and wanting to stay away from evil. So again, putting all that together, combining those ideas of fearing, of revering, trusting, obeying, respecting, staying away from sin, it just means living your life like, you, like God is real and you want to honor Him and live within His plan more than you do the world's plan, more than you want to follow the world and the flesh and the devil. So Proverbs 3, 7 and 8 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I read that, and that sounds like the the world's first New Year's workout plan. Who wants to have a healthy body? Who wants to have strong bones? Well, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, respect God, and avoid sinful behavior. Other proverbs provide kind of a contrast between wisdom and foolishness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which we just said a minute ago, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Boy, I hear that, and I think about today's culture. Fools despise, or the unwise despise wisdom and discipline. Is this not our culture today? We don't want to have, you know, globally speaking, we don't want to have a standard. We don't want to have one truth. We don't want to have a right and a wrong. People used to say, well, well, that's good for you. You can believe that. And now they're like, well, that's not even good for you to believe. I want you to believe what I want you to believe. But nobody has a set standard to follow. Each person's their own source of truth and wisdom, which doesn't really work, does it? So the, the, the fear of the Lord, wanting to live for His purposes and live a wis, with wisdom and knowledge, is not just because God says, "I want you to fear me and live with wisdom and knowledge." No, there's actually a benefit. There's a benefit to us and our lives when we follow this command. Proverbs 14:27: "The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. I just, like, I just like reading that verse, that fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And that, that makes me think about the abundant life, just this ever-bubbling, overwhelming fountain. Do you want to live a long time? Sure. Take care of your body. Eat well. Work out. Make sure that you can hopefully enjoy the life that you have on this earth and you feel good about it. So do that. Take care of your body. But also, fear the Lord. Live with wisdom. Live your life in a way that honors him. So it prolongs your life as well but it adds to the quality of your life. What do your days look like while you actually here on earth? So how about one more? Proverbs 19:23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and then one rests content, untouched by trouble. That's another one that I just love. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and then one rests content, untouched by trouble. So, the fear of the Lord not only brings wisdom, it leads to a certain kind of life, a life that is content, or a life, you might say, is at peace. Would you say that that peace is in short supply right now? Again, globally speaking, individually across the world, but even in many unbelievers' lives, there's just a lack of peace. We don't want that. That's not how we were designed, not how we should live. So we should have this mindset that we are aware of God's plan, and we, we have the wisdom to follow it, to respect God, obey His plan for our lives, and then that should bring about peace. And New Year's often talks, you know, people talk about turning over a new leaf. I'm going to start a new plan. I'm going to do it for 30 days, because we've all been told if you do something for 30 days, it becomes a habit. And once you do it, you can't break it, right? Well, I've been there on that path. Um... <laughs> And I'm all about New Year's resolutions. There's years I think about that. All those things are, are fine and can be useful. But sometimes just doing doesn't really end up leading to growth or a long-lasting change. Sometimes before you do, you just need to be, to be aware of God's sovereignty and his plan, to be wise in how you live and that you follow him. And then that will lead to a life that is at peace. What if in 2023 you actually found peace in your life? So I'm going to read a verse that the majority of us know very well, but I want you to, to read it and hear it factually, as if you're reading it, hearing it for the first time, that it's you know in a book or something that, that you're taking up. This is exactly what it says. This is true. This is right. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this verse gives us both a command and a promise. It says, "Do not be anxious about anything. So there's your command. Don't be anxious about anything, but the promise, if we go to God properly, as we are told here, then we will receive peace. And this isn't to be taken lightly, this peace, it transcends our understanding. Because it sounds, you're probably thinking, yeah, I've been there, I've tried that too, just like the whole New Year's uh, resolution thing, right? I've used this verse, I've memorized this verse, I've got it. We might think that peace is impossible, but it does say here it is not. So, I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to emphasize the absolutes that are here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the amplified bible expands this verse and it says god's peace will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and how does that sound Peace that is active, that's going to battle with you and for you, will garrison and mount guard over your heart and your mind. That's the kind of peace that I long for, that is coming to my defense. And Peter said it this way Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. So if you want to, to do something this New Year's, do something by casting your anxiety on God. Stop being anxious. Cast your anxiety on him through your prayers, petitions, and trust him. So I want to, one more way, unpack this idea of achieving peace. Here's how Jesus explained this. And I condensed some of the the verses at the end of Matthew 6 just to get to the nuts and bolts of what he's saying. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, And the body more than clothes. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. So in this passage that you just read, Jesus tells us not to worry three times. Three times he says, don't worry. Two other times he says, why do you worry? (laughs) And then he even says, that's what the pagans do. So that's not really how we're supposed to interact as believers who have the Holy Spirit, who have his word. And he he doesn't say, these aren't even things you should be worried about. He doesn't discount the things that, that we do need and the things that we need in life. But he says, you have a heavenly father who knows what you need. So don't worry. Why do you worry? That's what the pagans do. So stop worrying. If you do want to do something, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. So I'm not telling you anything that you haven't heard before, right? Especially in these three verses. You've probably got them underlined in your Bible. They're on your refrigerator. You've got, got them memorized, possibly. So I really do want this to stick, though. I need it. I think we all need it at times. So go ahead and bring it forward. What, it, what are you going to be worried about tonight or tomorrow morning? Is it how to pay off Christmas that you just had? Maybe you were in a bind before, and you're still like, hey, we've got to have Christmas. Maybe you're, there's Legitimate financial worries. Maybe something blew up in the family relationally over Christmas, and you think, How are we going to patch this back together? Or when am I going to talk to my kid again? Or maybe it's the, the doctor appointment that's coming up that it just they never seem to end. You don't, you don't know what tomorrow holds again. You really don't know what tomorrow holds. Those are legitimate. So you have those in mind now. And so that also doesn't um, obscure or block out what Jesus just said, do not worry. Why do you worry? That's what the pagans do. You have a Heavenly Father who knows exactly what's in your mind, exactly how things are going to turn out. Follow Him. But maybe you're the person, the type of person that's wired for action, that you think I'm just saying, oh, sit back and let God, right? Let go and let God. That's not what I'm saying. Instead of worrying, we are told to seek first His kingdom, and his righteousness. So we do have a part to play. We have a place to point our energies. My point is overall that activity does not necessarily produce peace. Trusting, praying, casting your anxiety on him, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, that produces lasting peace. As Isaiah said, in 20, Isaiah 26 3 and 4, you will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Such a good verse. So if you want your life to be characterized by peace in 2023, just do that. Trust in the Lord. Do not be anxious. And you will be at peace, at perfect peace. So sometimes it's helpful not just to know what you want to be, but maybe sometimes what you don't want to be. So I submit to you an idea of what you don't want to be are my son Garrett's guinea pigs. Minnie and Nala. I still don't know which one is which. They're just Minnie and Nala. And so this is, their, this is actually in his bedroom. This is their cage, their home, their habitat. Are they aware that they have a loving, sovereign father who takes care of them, who sustains their life? I would submit they are not aware of all of Garrett's loving kindness and his goodness for them. Just yesterday, we changed their bed, cleaned it all up, and while we did that, the next slide shows what they were doing while we were taking care of them. They're huddled in a box in in the bathroom while we clean their cage, and are they wise? Well, this actually doesn't really show you the perspective, but they could simply stand up and they would be out of the box. And off they could go do whatever they want to do. Do they know that? No. They have no idea. They're not aware of their surroundings. They're not aware of his goodness. I would say they don't look terribly wise when they're, you know, a centimeter from freedom. But then lastly, are they at peace? Well, back to the next slide. Are they at peace? One of them you can't even see because she lives her entire life in that little blue hut. So Garrett will come in, whispering sweet nothings to them. He bends down with food in his hand. Do they come to him? No, they both huddle in there, and then they're both crammed in there. I've read that that their hearts beat 250 beats a minute. doesn't sound very peaceful to me. So I would submit that in 2023, you do not want to be a guinea pig. They're not wise. They're not aware. They're not at peace. Do not be a guinea pig in 2023. But bringing this back to human terms... Church, time is of the essence. This is it. As the saying goes, the days are long, but the years are short, right? The days are long. Parents, you know this. Kids are like, "What's are you talking about? But the days are long, but the years really are short. Like in my earlier pictures, you'll have 33 years later. And what in the world happened? I had 33 New Year's, and I still feel like it was just a couple, couple years ago, if anything. You've been celebrating New Year's for as long as you can remember, right? You have. The Bible tells us that life is but a vapor and none of us knows the moisture content of our vapor. We don't know how long we have. John Piper has a great quote that's focused me many times over the years I engage with. It says, life is precarious and life is precious. Don't presume that you'll have it tomorrow and don't waste it today. That's where you are. It's New Year's. So this is it. Make up your mind. Who do you want to be in 2023? The whole year is before you. And make sure that when you're thinking about who you want to be in 2023, sift it through God's words so that more importantly, you know, who God wants you to be in 2023. Because I think he wants you to be aware of his goodness and his sovereignty. He wants you to revere him, trust him, live a life of wisdom that respects him. And then you will have peace, that eternal peace, that everlasting peace. You ready to do that? All right, let's go before him in prayer. Let's pray.